This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the show. Today's episode is with Nick and Sam Riccio. And they are a husband and wife investor team out in Boston. And they have a really cool story on house hacking, how they've been able to house hack these really expensive homes and explode their net worth and keep all these multifamily units as they hop from uh, house hack to house hack. They also have a lot to share in regards to taking real estate careers full-time, meaning uh, I I think it was uh, Sam. She used to be a marketing manager, but now she has moved into being a general contractor. It's still something that pays the bills and that she's passionate about, but it's also related to real estate and can help them pour back into the business. So that actually leads me to today's gold nugget of the day. Maybe you are not satisfied with your current job and maybe there's an opportunity for you to become a general contractor or a real estate agent or an appraiser or an inspector or a leasing agent. I mean, the list goes on and what you can do to still make a living, but also have it be uh, um, complement your real estate investing business. So think about that. Um, and for me in my life, it, it was like I was doing taxes for real estate investors. So I was kind of already in that space, but not at the same time. And uh, I knew that if I changed careers, that my income would go way, way down. I'd have to learn a new skill set. So sometimes it's not advantageous for you. But just thought I'd throw that in there as in case you need that extra nudge or in case you uh, get that inspiration from Nick and Sam today, that it is a viable option. And that's what they did. And that's working well for them. Um, Nick, on the other hand, is a loan officer. So he's in the banking space uh, for his real estate investing business. So with all that being said, here is today's episode on house hacking with Nick and Sam Riccio. Welcome to the show, Sam and Nick Riccio. How are you all doing today? We're good. Thanks for having us. You bet. This is my first show with three people on. um, And so it'll be a a different dynamic here. I'm looking forward to it. So I'll speak at once. Nick or Sam, when was your aha moment in real estate that really got you started and and got you on the path where you are today? Yeah. So I think we we started at a a fairly young age. I I was telling you off air, but I'll tell the uh the audience so so we sam and i met at a really young age it's like 16 years old and i think at that point i was already really interested in real estate don't know why but was uh started to get hooked on it and um so early on we we knew we wanted to get into it uh well well he knew he knew we wanted to get into it. Yeah. I there's always one, right? So Nick knew. <laughs> yeah, I knew, and and so we we sort of Sam got on board, and then we kind of did everything we needed to do over the you know next several years to position ourselves to do that. Um, so yeah, I think you know early on we we definitely decided that we wanted to pursue real estate. Right. So as age 16, you were 16. I mean, I can't really think of a lot of 16 year olds who are thinking about real estate. So was it something you saw your parents do or a family member or what kind of, what started that journey? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, my family has absolutely nothing to do with real estate. Um, Know nothing about it. They've been in one primary residence basically their whole life. Um, But I I don't know. I I came from a very uh, 
blue collar, middle class family. Uh, and I think just at a young age, I started to think like, you know, how can I do more? How can I achieve more? Um, you know, and I think both of us just, yeah. we wanted more. We we knew there could be a better way. Um, and at that time, you know, just simply Googling and I don't even think like a bigger pockets or anything was big at that point, but just Googling, you know, how to do that, you know, real estate came up and then that's what we set our, our focus on. But it was a long, well, I say long, but from, you know, Nick mentioning it to me and we were, at, we were in high school and that, I was like, cool. Yeah. Talk to me in, you know, 10 years. And at that point, you know, we talked through it. Like we, were, we went to college and once Nick graduated college, I was a year behind him. He, you know, started working, started saving money, moved in with his parents. I was like, no, we're doing this. Like now, now's the time. And I think that was, I guess, my aha moment of like, at, at that point, bigger pockets was the thing. And, you know, the internet was more widely used and I was Google doing my own, th- you know, Googling and, and figuring out kind of like, his vision because he'd had it for so long and I just had it. Um, and at that point, yeah, we essentially both, once I graduated college, moved into his parents' basement and started, started saving every dollar we had and then bought our first property. And we were like, all right, here we go. <laughs> it's going to work or it's not. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great when you can get both spouses on board. And so are, were you guys both frugal by nature or is one of you are a higher spender than the other? So I'm definitely frugal by nature. Um, and I, I was the one that kind of like showed Nick that because growing up his, his mom was really the one being like, you know, the, and neither of our parents were in the position to say money wasn't an object, but you know, that family where it's like, it's fine. You think it grows on trees. Then I kind of turned Nick into the frugal one. And then now he's like weirdly more frugal than me. So now I have to like bring him back to earth. So it was a, it was a role reversal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, so did you guys both have in mind to be directly involved in real estate going forward or, or was it one of you wanted to be a more active role and one of, one of you wanted to be a more passive role? I mean, I guess I would say in the beginning, um, so we primarily house hack, which is for someone that doesn't know, essentially using your investment property as your primary residence, whether it's like a two family property and you're renting out the other unit, or it can be even a single family, you're renting out another room, but subsidizing your mortgage with rental income. Um, so when we had our first property that we had to renovate and we had to renovate the units to get them ready to be able to rent them because they weren't really in rentable condition. We took a two family property to a three family while living in it and renovating it. And we knew nothing. So at that point it was more so how much money do we have and how much money can we save before both super involved. And we kind of just started hands-on tackling this renovation, doing everything we could and learn how to do from YouTube. Nick's dad was in the trade. So he taught us a ton and we were just like, we need a you know penny pinch. And then after that renovation, I think we, we thought long and hard about, okay, like what did we enjoy from that? What do we want to do moving forward? And then what do we like not want to have, you know, hands in anymore. So that was a big learning experience for us. Right. Right. So you started very active and uh, yeah. actually from actually doing the work yourself. And so yeah. what made you choose house hacking as the strategy that was going to build your foundation? 
Yeah. So I, I think for us, uh, it was probably twofold. Um, one was um, we were we were already very cognizant of trying to reduce our living expenses um, so we could save, invest. Um, and so that, you know, right off the bat, house hacking was appealing because it was going to allow us to get in the game and and keep our expenses low and all that. And then, you know, the other part is the reality of it is we're in a really expensive market. Um, we, you know, it was quite honestly like the only way we could, could get in, you know, without raising money and doing all that. So, so using our own funds, that was kind of our, our only option. Right. Right. And for those who don't know, you're in Boston. So yeah, typically a very expensive market. And so you, you got into house hacking almost out of necessity to, because you could combine your personal residence and investment property in one. When you started that journey, when you knew that you were going to do house hacking as a strategy, what was the first step for you in that? Um, I mean, I think probably Nick can speak to that with just like the, the loan piece, because that was, I guess, probably the first piece. It was like looking at our, I mean, again, this is when I, you know, probably wasn't fully on board. And I was like, how, how are we supposed to do this? These houses cost a lot of money. So I'll let you kind of speak to like getting that in line. Yeah. I think, I mean, we, I think a lot of it was we, we put a lot of time and effort into it at the time. Um, it's funny that we're all still saying this, but at the time the market was really hot and competitive. So we were losing out, you know, constantly on, on properties um, so like, I think one, I mean, I have that sort of personality trait that like, once I want to learn something, like I just will obsess over it. So that is what I did. And then I think our repetition of continuously losing out on properties, we learned so much every time, uh, even though we weren't getting the offers accepted, we were learning about running numbers and analyzing and what's a good deal, what's not, yeah. uh, that by the time we were able to get our hands on them, like we started to know our market so well and knew what a good deal was like kind of right off the bat. Yeah, because that repetition got you, got you. So did you have a really good agent alongside that helped you analyze deals and get those first few offers in? So in the beginning, we did not. Uh, We honestly, we were like closet investors that hadn't invested yet. Like we were actually probably afraid to reach out to an agent because it felt like too legitimate. You know what I mean? When you have this like dream behind closed doors, no one really knows that you want to do it. Our parents are like, what? You don't want like a single family home or you're not going to go rent an apartment type of thing. So the first... um, the first property we used, you know, it was a, the first property we purchased was a condo and it was really just not a ideal situation. It was more so just because we couldn't get into a multifamily. We kept losing, as Nick said, losing out on deals. We're at the point where like, we need out of this basement apartment as lovely as it is. We need to at least go through a purchase and like see what it's all about. And it was in a really up and coming area in Boston, East Boston. Um, specifically, which at that point was a little more underdeveloped. And we were like, all right, you know, it'll appreciate. Purchased the condo. And then six months later, we ended up getting the house next door that was uh, actually attached to the condo um, off market. So to, I guess to go go off that with the realtor, um, 
we didn't use a realtor for that one. And then finally, at that point, we had fully renovated that one, got, went from a two family to a three. That was that one. So at that point, we were living in one unit. We had three rented and it was time for the next one. And that's when we really were like, okay, we're in this. We need to get a good realtor relationship. Um, and that's when we sought out a realtor that we knew was really trusted in the area. And we've been working with him ever since. So game changer for sure. But at the beginning, yeah, we were just, I guess, naive and like afraid. Um, but it probably would have, you know, in retrospect, maybe helped us win some of those offers we kept losing. Yeah, it's really hard to put yourself out there to friends and family at the very beginning or, or even agents, because it's like, well, what if I change my mind or I fail right off the bat, then they're just going to see me as a failure. But if I stay in the closet, I'll be fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I completely <laughs> understand. And, and just that pressure of like needing to get that first property because you were living with your parents. I'm sure that was a difficult time um, for sure. Now we've talked about a couple things so far with the house hacking is getting that the uh, the loan product lined up and getting the agent. Um, I'm going to circle back on the loan product. Did you guys do the traditional um, like the FHA that everyone talks about three to five percent down on the house hacker or what was that? Yeah, exactly. So we did do uh, we used FHA for that. Um, I think we were able to put five percent down. Um, and we've since uh, actually continued to use FHA on our even more recent purchases. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a really good fit for us just using that FHA low down payment and then, you know, Re- refi- yeah. yeah. Renovating, know. refinancing. So, uh, for all those listening and, and myself included, I'm curious to know on the refinance, uh, is that into a, a more traditional, uh, like a conventional loan? Because it's my understanding that you can only have one FHA loan at a time. You're exactly right. Yep. So, um, so our strategy has really been, um, it's really more of like a burr method, but, um, we're owner occupying them and we're, we're living through the renovations. So we're, tra- we've been buying these really underutilized properties and rent fully gut renovating most of them, adding value, like the, Really, we've been adding either a unit or finishing basement, adding beds and baths. So they've been fairly like substantial renovations. So then we've had substantial equity on the other side that's allowed us to refinance out conventional, do cash outs. Um, And we've just kind of been rolling with that. Now, now I want to go to once you've acquired the property, you mentioned a couple of wild things to me and adding units. I mean, I've heard of adding bedrooms, but adding whole units is really impressive. So expound on how you're going through and improving these units through renovations and so forth. Yeah. So, I mean, adding, so for the adding units, um, the property that we were talking about, so we bought the condo, then there was the property next door. It was three levels in a basement and it, it was essentially one unit on the first floor. And then it was um, a bi-level unit upstairs. So it was owner occupied. That's how we found the deal. The owner basically let us knew, let us know he was moving or the tenant actually on the first floor, let us know that the owner was selling the property. And that's how this all happened. But he lived there with his family, which is why he needed the bi-level unit. So kitchen, living, bathroom on the first floor and then upstairs had his bedrooms. So when we walked through the property, A, we, you know, we owned the condo on the other side and it was three condos and the house was the same footprint. So we're like, hold on. We know know from firsthand there could be three of these. 
and then also what we did was we went to the Boston Public Library, so in your local library, and pulled the original blueprints of the house when it was first built, and it was built as a three-family. So there we go right off the bat. We're like, this was the three. Uh, plumbing probably could be still behind the walls. At one point, for some reason, it was converted to a two-family. That was also on like the assessor's website. We, we were able to go back. The blueprints were able to show us like actually there was a kitchen here at one point. Uh, and at that point, we said, okay, uh, let's run the numbers both ways. What's it going to look like if we keep it as a, a two-family? You know, we take the lower unit and we rent out the bigger unit. And what's it going to look like numbers-wise if we turn it into the three-family? Um, knowing that if the master plan of turning it into the three unit didn't work, we'd still be okay. Um, both numbers worked, obviously turning it in, turning the units into three units was best case. And that's what ended up happening for us. So that was kind of how we got away with that one. Wow. That takes a really keen eye to do what you did. Go to the library and seek <laughs> out that and, and then, you know, do the math. And so making that best financial decision, that's awesome. And so cool. Uh, what about like the, what about the renovations? Cause you said you're doing a lot of that yourself. Are, you're a general contractor, Sam. So maybe you can speak more to this. Yeah. So at, at the time I was absolutely not a general contractor. I was a marketing professional that had never used a power tool. And then during this whole situation, I kind of fell in love with it. Really. We both fell in love with aspects of it. Nick fell in love with the financing uh, and I fell in love with the renovation. And then both of us in 2020 quit our jobs. I became a general contractor and Nick became a residential loan officer. We were both like mid pandemic, what could go wrong? <laughs> um, but speaking to the renovation, I guess, you know, as newbies doing it, we were definitely a little naive as to just like what goes into a renovation in general. Um, I think that was funny enough, probably the biggest thing that scared me about doing it is like, A, this is a lot of money. B, it's a lot of work. We don't know what we're doing and what happens if, you know, you uncover the wall and you have to basically tear down the whole house, which isn't going to happen. But, you know, parents, friends, people scare you. You watch TV. Um, and I think what I would say to people in general is like, don't be afraid of the renovations. If you want to be involved, you absolutely can be. And there's so many resources out there to help you. If you don't want to be involved, you can absolutely outsource the whole thing and hands-off approach and hopefully have a trusted contractor in your area kind of take control of that. Um, but the biggest thing that we look to do for value add is essentially find some, don't just take a one bedroom and renovate a one bedroom. If you can help it, if you can squeeze in another half bathroom, not even so much to get more rent, but from, you know, an equity standpoint and things like that, just kind of look for the value add. I'm sure that was stressful during that time. Cause you know, you're coming out of pocket with the down payment and the materials, even though you're doing the work yourself, prices in Boston are the way they are. And so, but then you were able to get all that money back and maybe even more with the refinance. Have you had a scenario where you actually um, get more money back on the refinance than you have invested in it? Like a true burr? Yeah. So our first one that we did, the one we've been speaking on, we were able to recoup funds, you know, for renovations, which were about 85,000 and then our down payment. And today we're only, we have $5,000 of our own money left in the deal. Um, and we bought that for like six thirty. Yep. So I think we put in the 40 for down payment, 85 for renovation. Yeah. Yeah. And then our, um, the one we just completed, 
So it's a little quirky, but um, we didn't pull out all of our cash um, that we could or needed to, but we were fortunate. We, um, we purchased it for 840,000. We put in about 180,000 and um, our appraisal, we actually had two done. We had both were right around 1.7 million after repair. Um, So that we were able to take out a substantial amount but we left, you know, we still had a lot of yeah. money in the deal for sure, or a lot of equity in the deal for sure. Right, right. Yeah, there's that balance between how much cash do I want to pull out so that I can have good cash flow, which is right. what we, you know, start in real estate out to get. And so I think that's re- really prudent of you. Now, as far as the property management side, let's talk about that a little bit because um, I'm sure not all your tenant stories have been glorious and perfect. So, you know, explain the highs and lows of, managing a property while you're living in that property. Yeah, I think um I think for anyone anyone who has done it would understand how uncomfortable it can be. Um and I think it's important to be, you know, upfront and honest about that. It, it, there's a huge benefit obviously to owner occupying financially and all of that. Uh but but living with with tenants you know, it certainly poses challenges. I, I think for us, um, the biggest thing we have really tried to stick to um, is, you know, not being friends by any means, but being, you know, very like fair, yeah, honest, approachable, approachable upfront, um, you know, and, and we've had a lot of really hard conversations. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, there's always exception humans who who just don't understand regardless. But, you know, most people, um, you know, as long as you communicate effectively, you know, you're it's fair and it's, you know, the right, you know, you're doing the right thing, even if it's not good news or or what they want to hear. Most times we've found, you know, people, it turns out okay. Yeah. It's that whole thing. We can't control other people's behavior. We can only control our reaction to it. And so if you, um, if you exude that confidence in that it's a delicate line because you have to be firm, but you also have to be friendly. And so you have to stick to the lease, you know, enforce, enforce the rules. Um, but also be, be, be a good landlord yeah, and, and neighbor uh, and, and neighbor. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Let's talk about also your, your roles. We touched on briefly that Sam, you're a GC now as a full-time job. And mm-hmm. then um, Nick, you're a residential loan officer. How do you think that dichotomy has helped advance your real estate investing business? Yeah. I mean, it has been, I think, honestly, a bigger transformation for our real estate business than we probably thought going into it. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to do this and then it's going to help us. Uh, it just kind of happened that way. So, I mean, I guess from a GC standpoint, kind of contradicting myself, but when I got the license, uh, it was... I'll just use this for us. You know, we didn't think we we're going to go in, which, you know, always happens, right? We didn't think we we're going to go and start this business and start taking on client projects and doing all this stuff. Um, so I was like, I'm going to get the license. I'm super into it. Mine as well. And then we can, you know, use it for our renovations moving forward. 
weird timing the universe works in weird ways like a week before I was about to take the exam someone had reached out to me and said can can you renovate my house I know you renovate your own houses we had you know put it out on on social media uh wondering if you could do this for me as like a project manager it's like well funny enough I may be a general contractor in like two weeks so I'll keep you posted um and then you know I was afraid of course I was like I don't want to do this I don't want to mess it up Nick pushed me to do it um, in the best way possible is like, just see what happens. And of course, you know, I loved it. And then the ball started rolling. So then we have, have been doing multiple client projects, um, ever since. And that was just early in this year. So that started in March. Um, and we've, you know, full steam ahead ever since doing full gut renovations, three family homes, single family homes. So it's helped from our business so much because, we've only done what we've done. We've only seen what we've seen for our own projects and seeing it, you know, being on this other side where I'm being exposed to so much more. I'm dealing with so many different subcontractors. I'm also learning how to kind of be that middleman between the subcontractor and the client. Uh, and then from a design standpoint, which I really enjoy, um, is it's really fun to be able to work with clients with different design styles or wanting, you know, X, Y, and Z for, for their home, which for us, the the tough part has always been, I always have Nick in the back of my head going, it's a rental, it's a rental. So I'm like, how about marble countertops? He's like, how about not? Um, we are lucky in the Boston market here that we have, you know, it's a, I would say a luxury rental in the sense of like, we're putting in, you know, nice appliances and, you know, everything stainless steel, quartz countertops, all of that. But there's a, there's a level that now I get to play with the client design style that's been really fun. But overall, I think it's just for me personally, exposing me to, to way more than I would have ever seen uh, if we didn't get into this. And I'm definitely grateful for that. Expo- exposing you to more than you were at your marketing job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. More than being being in marketing, for yeah. sure. Although there are some parts of real estate that you know help with marketing. If you know marketing, you're, you're get, you can acquire properties faster. Uh, yeah, no, the marketing's, come, and... the marketing's come in handy. I'm, I'm not yeah. going to lie. Uh, it was good for what it was. Now, you know, we're glad where we are, but I use the skills for sure. What about you, um, Nick? Are you, as a mortgage loan officer, I mean, are you writing like your own loans or how does that all work? I'm totally foreign to that field. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I do, I work for a company and, um, so, I mean, I work with my own clientele and then our company lends the money for the mortgages, um, you know, conventional FHA, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. I, I think the biggest thing uh, that's, you know, been like a soft benefit is, you know, when I'm talking to my clients, like I always had like the, you know, I also could add the investor hat. But now, like, um, you know, just from sort of osmosis, I'm very comfortable on the construction side, too. So being able to, like, lend that side to clients when they're trying to make these financial decisions, understanding what a renovation cost, budget, all that stuff would look like. I think it's, like, helped me a ton. And then I think even Sam has already experienced, like, the same thing with with my with my job and skill set. Like, she can talk to the client about, like... And even just from her investing as well, but like, you know, it is worth it to do X renovation because it's going to increase value and, and, and things like that. So Mm -hmm. being able to speak to that, I think has, has helped both of us. And the 
the people that you're meeting. Yeah, yeah, You exactly. can go into maybe that, but like, I feel like the communication with the amount of realtors and people, like we never would be talking to that many people. Oh yeah, you, you have, I mean, your ears on the ground level of, of this entire industry with your roles. And I think this is very inspirational to a lot of people who maybe they're a husband and spouse duo or one of them wants to get involved. Um, the traditional way would be one of them gets the real estate license. And I think you all realized that that probably wasn't your first choice. And so you went into these different directions and that's, that's, you know, you're leaving the, the, the real estate agent to their duties and you're doing, you know, the GCing and the residential loan officer, you're doing those well. So we all have our different interests and, and skill sets. And uh, you're capitalizing on that. Awesome. Any any last remarks on like, uh, well, let's talk about where you're headed because you've got multiple house hacks. I mean, where are you at now? And and the last question will be, where are you headed? Yeah. So we um, so like we said, we actually just closed on our most recent house hack like two weeks ago, um, and that's going to be another uh, you know probably. S- substantial renovation for us. So we're working through that, going to be living through that, uh, which will be interesting. And then, um, and then from there, I mean, it's really hard. We, we kind of change our minds frequently. Um, We definitely are looking, you know, we've amassed quite a bit of equity at this point. Um, So we, you know, we talk about maybe doing some larger things, um, we'll, we'll definitely be moving away from owner occupied. Um, but it's just a matter if we're going to scale up unit count or if we're going to stay local where, um, you know, the number, the, we wouldn't be able to scale number unit number wise. Um, or if we go out further outside of our area, maybe we scale unit count. So, we're, it's a work in progress. We're still trying to like work through the numbers on what actually is a better scenario for us. Um, the hard part is for us is now that we have so much uh, like boots on the ground here locally that to, to move outside of our market is, you know, a whole nother project where we've just really established ourselves right. here locally. Yeah, you're in a good place, but also a difficult place because you're at a crossroads, you know, because house hacking, you you can only get one per year, at least I'm told. And mm-hmm. um, and so you obviously want to expand beyond just one per year because you you got the momentum. And so it, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> I guess yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Nick and Sam, you've been inspirational uh, for all those who are looking to get into house hacking. This last portion of our show here is called the Triple Threat, and we ask the same three questions to each guest. The first question is, what's the app, resource, or tool that's been the biggest game changer for your business? Okay. I would say um, maybe it's cheesy, but Instagram has definitely been the game changer. We started our account before we, you know, we had like one house hack, we're like, might as well connect with people. It has brought us uh, deals. It has brought us subcontractors. It has brought us renovation clients. It has brought us loan clients. I mean, the amount of revenue generated from this free app and inspiration inspiration and just like when we were quitting our jobs, I remember posting it and people were just met. Like we have such a great community of people. It really like actually makes us feel like we can do it. And I'm sure there's everybody else out there that uses it that probably feels the same. So Instagram for sure. Instagram. Good. Yeah. You got to pick one social media platform and really go all in on it. 
exactly to see the fruit. There's the marketing. Yeah. (laughs) What has been the biggest learning lesson in the last year? So in the last year, I would say for us, we, we've learned kind of, I think the big thing from a, from I'll take it on a positive note is we've learned like we're capable of a lot more than we typically give ourselves credit for. Um, and I think, you know, Sam and I both went through this over the last year or two um, where, you know, you're taking big leaps of faith and you don't, we don't always, we didn't always at least know what we were doing, but you, you just find ways and, and it's, it's incredible how your, your mind and, and body find a way to, to make things work when you're under pressure. So I think for us, it's just been where we're, we are capable of doing so much, even when we feel like we're not. It's amazing when you break through that ceiling and then there's another one, but then you have to break through that one. And, and yet all the while you're just growing and uh, it gets to a point where you're just like, I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Question number three, and this is my favorite. Our podcast is all about helping others achieve freedom with real estate investing, whether that's financial, lifestyle, or otherwise. So what does freedom mean to you? And I'll break this up. We can go either one of you because the definition of freedom is probably gonna be different. So, um, Sam, why don't you start? Yeah. So, I mean, this literally takes me back to, you know, Nick being 16 and being like, this is why we need to get into real estate. But freedom for me personally is the, and I'm experiencing it now, truthfully, with this being self-employed, but being able to truly make your own decisions and live the life that you want and not have to ask permission to do so. So whether that's being self-employed, whether that's sitting on your couch all day, whatever motivates you, um, being able to do it. And then also, you know, on the flip side to be able to financially support yourself while doing that. So if you want to sit on the couch all day for the rest of your life, do you have enough money to make that happen? Um, or vice versa, if you want to be self-employed, like, can you support yourself in doing that? I can definitely relate with that. I went full-time in real estate two months ago. and uh, Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love the fact that my time is not uh, attached to money I mean, as much. You know, I'm still doing things that earn me money, but it's not, uh, it's not defined by the hour. Yeah. So my time, uh, my time doesn't have an hourly rate. Like you and me right now, I don't care what my hourly rate is. Um, and, I, and if anything, I have a much higher hourly rate because I know my potential. And it's just breaking that connection. uh, And not many people do that. Yeah. Um, Nick, why don't you go? Yeah. So I think for us, a big thing freedom wise is is really just like that time freedom. I I think for, for us, we knew really early on, like what kind of our perfect life sort of looked like. And we, we spent a lot of, we still spend a lot of time like drawing that out and mapping it out. And I think for us, you know, having the ability at some point when we start a family to be able to be available and, and be around and, and all of those things and be able to do it together, um, I think has been huge for us versus being stuck in that job because you need to be able to pay your bills. Um, you know, that's been a huge driving force for us. Well, good for you guys. It sounds like you're only on the way up and that those aspirations will only get clearer and clearer and, and bigger and bigger. Perfect. Uh, where can listeners get a hold of you? What drop your uh, Instagram? Yeah, so our Instagram is at Eagle Hill Homes, 
And we also have our website where we kind of have, you know, our past client projects, things like that. You can subscribe to our newsletter and that's just eaglehillhomes.com. Awesome. Very good. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having um, both of you on the show today. It's been a new one for me having a couple on. And I think people love the three-way conversation. It's been great. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review and tune in next week for the next episode.